Lord gave me a little idea this morning about an illustration that I, I think you'll find helpful. Um, we've been talking ever since Brian left, uh, the elders and Rob, and I've got the next couple of weeks. We've been talking about what, um, you know, what it looks like to, to be a follower of Christ. Uh, I'm in my 42nd year and uh, just amazed that it's three steps forward and then two back. And just amazed that I'm not more sanctified by now after all these years of following Jesus. Um, but that's true for all of us. And so what we wanted to do in this time where Brian was away was to explore how can we grow together? How can we really be transformed by Jesus? And as the scripture says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So he gave me this little illustration of uh, this, is, this is everyone who is without Christ. So the red represents all of our selfishness, basically all of our sin. So we were born sinners. Uh, we have a six-month, six-month, six-week-old grandson. Uh, he sins when he cries. He does a lot of sinning. <laughs> but we are born into sin. Uh, we are selfish to the core, and uh, there's no hope for us without Jesus. But it's not that we get fire insurance and we don't have to go to hell, we get to go to heaven. We get a whole new life. And what, one thing the scripture says, there's lots of ways that the scripture talks about this. Uh, one favorite among our Baptist friends is you're born again. Uh, born above is probably a better translation of that phrase, but it's we're regenerated, we're made new, we're new creations in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. Uh, there's lots of ways that it's talked about, uh, about a person coming to faith in Jesus Christ and the transformation that happens. But I, I thought visually it might look something like this. So this is, this is us as sin. And the Bible says that, that God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and we become purple. We're holy. Does that look purple to you? Good. Through the light, I thought, I don't think it changed. It did. We're purple. So purple is the color of holiness. And uh, once a person accepts Jesus Christ, once a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, once the scripture actually says that the Father gives people to his Son, uh, that we are drawn to faith in Christ. God gives us the faith so we can believe. However you want to talk about that happening, that reality, this is what it is. We are now completely holy. Positionally, you are absolutely holy. There is no sin in you because Jesus' blood, as we sang, Jesus' righteousness transforms us. So why don't we live like that? Because we still live in these bodies that are full of sinful desires. Amen? Now, so what we have to do constantly is overcome the flesh, overcome our old ways. We are holy positionally. We are new. We are transformed. Um, if a truck takes you out, pulling out of the parking lot this, this afternoon, I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, you will immediately be in Jesus' presence and presence of the Father. If your faith is in Jesus, that this has happened to you. So we have... We are purple, but we act red, don't we? And this is, if you're an East Carolina fan, you're loving this. 
I'm a state guy, so it's kind of hard to really talk about red as sin. But nevertheless, um, so, so this is who we are. Now, how do we live like this? Okay, I want to take it one step further. So you, you actually have a purple name. Yeah. Purple name, purple name. <laughs> My wife asked me not to do that. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Got to give Prince a little bit of a shout out there. Okay, this is part one. So we're going we're gonna to explore Jesus helping us understand why we're purple and how to live purpley. Okay? So um, I took a course in seminary that the entire semester was only on what's called the Upper Room Discourse. It's John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. All of that took place on that Thursday night. Now, when you read John, you got to think uh, a couple things. <clears throat> so I'm already drying out. What do I do with that cup of water? There it is. Um, we're pretty sure John wrote all of his writings, the Revelation, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the Gospel of John in the 90s. So Jesus was crucified probably in 30 AD. So John's an old dude. Peter, Paul, and Mary, they've all died. Uh, all the writings have been circulating around, all the letters of the New Testament. I'm sure John's read all of them. And he probably wondered, how come you know, God didn't inspire him to write Scripture? I'm sure he probably wrote some stuff, but it wasn't Scripture. We don't have it. So it wasn't until probably he was an old man that he wrote his account, which is probably one of the reasons why it's so very different, but it's so personal. So just thinking about the talk that Jesus gave that Thursday night, almost 20%, you know, five chapters out of 21 chapters are dedicated to that one Thursday night, maybe a 60 minutes of Jesus' life here on earth. But he gives us so much in that. So let's, let's jump in. Um, again, I had a whole semester in these four or five chapters, uh, so we can't do that. So what I wanted to do without being wrong and lifting things out of context was try to summarize what is Jesus telling us? You know, that, that Thursday night before going to the cross, uh, what was he telling the disciples? What was he telling us? So let's jump in chapter 14. We'll start off, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, so that's, that's us, we're purple, uh, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. I'll pause on that one. Greater works than that. Okay, what were the works that Jesus did? Oh, just cleanse lepers. Uh, people born blind could see. People who were born deaf could hear. Uh, a little dead girl was raised. Oh, yeah, Lazarus, who had been in the grave for three days, he came out of the grave, not stinking. And we're supposed to do greater stuff than that? Well, I mean, what is, what is greater than that? Seriously. Jesus saying, truly, truly. That's like, listen up. Listen, listen, listen. This is, this is big. We'll do greater works than that. Well, we're not going to do greater miracles, obviously. There are no miracles greater than what Jesus did. But what is the work? Let's think about that. Go on, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that sounds pretty cool. 
Anybody need a Tesla? <laughs> or some other electric vehicle? Some in Washington think we all need electric vehicles. We won't go there. Um, so I'm going to tee that up without talking too much about that. I want you to just think about that. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the one thing Jesus is always doing is glorifying his Father. That's what the cross was all about. It was the Father's plan, Jesus glorifying the Father's plan to suffer and die the way he did for us, yes. But it was the Father's plan, right? Okay, so they're in the upper room. Uh, by the way, Judas has already left. He left like uh, the end of middle of chapter 13. Uh, so he's just talking to the 11 who are going to be purple. They're not purple yet, right? They're with Jesus, but they don't have the Holy Spirit within them. They have not been regenerated yet. That's coming in a few days. So let's look at uh, 15. So you probably know about chapter 15. So at the end of 14, it says, Jesus said, Let, let's get up and go. Uh, so the whole section 13 through 17 is not the upper room discourse because they weren't in the upper room except for chapters 13 and 14 during that part of the teaching because he said, let's go. So surely with the illustration of the vine and the branches, they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, a place that Jesus was very familiar with. His disciples had gone with him there lots. And so very likely they stopped by, on the road, stopped by a vineyard, right? Jesus is going to do a little illustrative, illustrative teaching. There we go. He's going to do that. And so standing by a vineyard, he then gives the, the picture like this is a picture. He gives the picture of, okay, if the vine is, a, or the branch is attached in the vine, and it's not broken off or anything, it will produce lots of fruit. Now, he's talking about a time where there weren't any, there weren't any grapes on the grapevines yet. It's too early in the spring. But, uh, but just that whole picture, and they go, yeah, okay, we get it. We get it. So coming out of the picture, he says then, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, there it is again, Wide open ask, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Thing, looking at that thing, going, yeah? That's how the, that's the vineyards or the, uh, the vine keeper's goal, right? Is all those branches just have huge clusters of grapes. And that's how God is glorified. That each of us bear a lot of fruit, and then we prove to be purple that we have a purple name if we're bearing a lot of fruit. Well, what's the fruit? And what does abiding really look like? He uses that word a lot. <clears throat> so the original word is, uh, is minnow. I like that little word, minnow. Uh, it's got a full uh, kind of a context to it. So maybe like some of you, my wife and I have contemplated probably for the last two or three years now selling our home. We moved here six and a half years ago, downsized, we really downsized, and sometimes the downsize feels too down. So we keep going back and forth about, should we sell it? I mean, it's double the value, you know, and then go, okay, what are you going to buy? So we finally, after me torturing this poor woman uh, about the idea of selling and going here, there, staying in town, but, you know, finding something else, uh, we decided to minnow in our home. We're going to stay in our home. Uh, I reference NC State. If, if you are an NC State fan or you know one, we minnow in NC State. We're always going to be disappointed. We, we never win the big game, not in years and years and years and years. 
We never win championships. We're always disappointed, but Wolfpack Nation, we minnow in NC State. Uh, those of you who have been through some transitions here at Live Oak Church, you've minnowed here. You've stayed through it. I mean, especially, gosh, Jay and Hunter and uh, who've been here for so long with Brian. Because people come and go. But some minnow here, right? Where, where are you minnowing? And then what does that look like with Jesus? How do you minnow? How do you stay in Jesus? How do you abide in Jesus? You know, what does that look like, living this purple life? And it glorifies the Father that as you stay in him, that picture of the, the branch and the vine, right? And as that branch is completely dependent on the vine. Got to pull all the nutrients from the ground, all the water, dependent, and then it can grow. It will. It will grow lots of clusters of grapes, delicious grapes. And that's what the Father wants from each of us. And you go, okay, what's the fruit? Let's go a little bit further. Next, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, ah, you will abide in my love. So abiding in him, staying in him, staying in his love, same thing. He's just being synonymous there. So how do you stay in Jesus? How do you live like you are? Keep his commandments. Yeah, and you sing purple name. You keep his commandments, and that's not hard, is it? Do this with me. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm not more sanctified after 42 years of following Jesus. It's hard. He says some hard things, like, I got to love all you more than I love myself. That's real hard, because I'm kind of fond of myself. I don't know about you. Um, but that's how we do it. We abide in his love. We abide in him. We remain in him. We st we're stuck on Jesus. But in that comes obeying all that he says. And it is difficult. But he also says, these things that he says, I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. You probably know the passage, Jesus. He came to give us life, life to the full. And life to the full is living a purple life in obedience to Christ. Oh, of course we'll mess up, right? Confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins, keep on going. It's not perfection, but it's direction. So that my life by God's grace and the Spirit's strength is pointed towards him. And of course I'll mess up, I won't keep all of his commandments, but that's the direction of my life. That's my desire, that's my highest desire. That is our highest desire as purple people and he says that as we do that, that's where we really experience the joy of life. The joy that Jesus wants us to have. So we have these decisions all throughout every day is do I want my way or do I want Jesus' way? Like when you're driving, I don't drive like Jesus. And I rarely want Jesus' way when I'm driving. My Tammy fussed at me yesterday. Just slow down, honey. It's okay if someone's in front of you driving the speed limit. <laughs> but where, where is your problem? Where is your issue? Where is it that you look so red and not very purple at all? And how do you turn that around and give those things to Christ? Invite him in. Ask his help. 
and strive for what pleases him because what pleases him is going to what is going to bring you the most joy in your life. Okay. 60 seconds later he says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Your fruit your fruit should stay. Your fruit should remain. Huh? So that, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. Ah, what do you think the fruit is? We know from Galatians, it says the, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think that's it. That's pretty impressive, wasn't it? That's the fruit that he's talking about, a transformed life, a life that looks purple. The transformation that we have on other people who come to Christ and they are transformed, like our purpose statement, is that we're being transformed. That's the fruit. That's the fruit that lasts and he sums it up so that you will love one another. I want you to produce this fruit, the joy, peace, all that stuff. But overarching that is this loving one another. So all the way back towards the beginning, right after he was washing their feet that night, he said, hey, well, right after Judas left, he said, I have a new commandment. New commandment. Love one another. What was the old commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So love everybody as much as you love yourself. That was the golden rule. The new commandment is the diamond rule. Love each other in the kingdom, love fellow purple people more than you love yourself. I get to officiate a lot of weddings and I tell grooms, this is the kind of love that's described in the scripture, that you love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I say, you'll always know you're loving her that way when it costs you. Sometimes it's money. But it will always cost you effort. It will cost you time. It will cost you your desires. It will cost you your wants. Right, Bobby? It costs. <laughs> New groom. <clears throat> so you know you're loving each other that way. We're loving each other that way. When it costs us something. You know, I don't want to go this morning. I'd rather sip coffee. But no, we gather together to encourage one another. Yeah, but she said... Mm, doesn't matter. But he's kind of weird. Doesn't matter. We sacrificially love each other, as the, and that's the fruit that continues to grow and reveal itself in us together. So remember, he's talking to the leaven, but it's for us as the gathered body. It's not just an individual letter to you or to me. It's to all of us together. Okay, 30 seconds later, he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will do it. Sound like a pattern? Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, here it is again, that your joy may be full. So we're asking for things that will give us joy. And what are those things? Because you can hear that pattern that he keeps saying. As a matter of fact, let's look at it real quickly. Uh, what should we be doing Let's go through, so I want to kind of emphasize what is it Jesus is saying in this amazing teaching that we should be doing. 
So, Joe, let's rip through the, each one of those lines on the next slide. Okay, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Next. Then he says, if you ask anything, ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Next, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Next, he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Next, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And lastly, he says, until now you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What is it we're supposed to do? What's Jesus' message in that last talk? The kind of primary message about our verb. What are purple people supposed to do? Ask, 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 and keep on asking, as he talked about on the Sermon on the Hill. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So we're to ask. We're to ask the Father for everything. How does the vine, how does the branch you know, grow out of the vine, it's completely dependent on everything the vine does, the nutrients that come through it. You and I are completely dependent on God. If we're going to produce a bunch of fruit, a bunch of fruit that lasts, all these amazing characteristics of a purple person, the characteristics of Jesus, we've got to ask him and keep on asking because we mess up and we confess and, oh, God, help my patience or strengthen me now so I'll be a more patient person. We ask and we keep on asking, but what's the condition? Because you can't ask him for just anything. Okay, let's look at the conditions. Next slide, Joe. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Okay, next one. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. All right, next. The condition is if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done. And then next he gives the condition, whatever you ask the Father in my name, the next condition we're asking, but the condition is in my name. And then lastly, guess what the condition is? In my name. <clears throat> so what do we do here in the West with that? We pray any kind of prayer in Jesus' name. <laughs> Father, help my kids and my wife understand how this other woman fulfills all my needs in Jesus' name. <laughs> Maybe not that bad, right? Lord, I didn't study at all, but bring recall so I can ace this exam in Jesus' name. Survey says, eh. <laughs> So what is in Jesus' name? It's not just a phrase, my goodness. It can't be that, but boy, we've gotten stuck on that. I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you something. For this next week, do not conclude a prayer in Jesus' name. I don't think there's one in the Bible in Jesus' name, okay? Just say amen. Say let it be. But don't do that. Just to get out of the habit of saying something stupid and putting in Jesus' name on it. Um, but the condition for me to, I mean, we don't know in our culture, we don't understand what it means to say in, in the name of someone. But it means everything about that person. So it's everything about Jesus. It's actually saying, if your prayers, your requests align perfectly with mine, if you're praying only things purple people should pray, if you're praying things that are all about God's glory, the Father's glory, those he'll answer. That's in Jesus' name because Jesus has always given the Father glory. So everything he taught, everything he did, what he's doing now, when he's coming back, all those things are about in Jesus' name. They're about Jesus the man, Jesus the God. 
But I think he defines it for us really well as if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Oh, that makes it a lot clearer. So if we're praying things, the same kind of things that Jesus would pray. And some of you go, well, I don't know those. They're not, you know, some are outside scripture, right? But there are a lot that are in scripture, in red and white or in black and white. We can pray those things. And then we can ask him anything. But we don't know he'll do it. But we ask out of his love and grace for healing for people, for all kinds of things. I got a dear, dear friend going in tomorrow. Uh, he's either going to have a minor procedure or his third open heart surgery. It depends on how the procedure goes. So obviously I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for the doctors. I'm going to pray for the anesthesiologist. I'm going to pray for everybody. But I don't know. Tomorrow might be the day that, that the father brings him home. I don't know. But I'll pray for him. I just won't know for sure he's going to do exactly as I ask. But I know when I'm praying the way Jesus would, I'm praying the prayers out of the scriptures. When I'm asking for things that I know is purple, that I know is Jesus' will, then I know he will answer. I don't know the timing all the time, but I know he will answer. Not just throwing out the name, in Jesus' name. How are we doing time-wise? Oh, we're doing great. Okay. So the next seven points... No, I'm kidding. Um, now, I do want to wrap it up. And uh, matter of fact, the band, you guys can go ahead and make your way up. Um, so in part of my journey, I started writing some books a few years ago. One of them is uh, Take Ten to Minnow. So it's Minnow is the abide, right, remain. And I thought, well, let me go through the book of Colossians and write just 10-minute devotions. Because if his word's going to remain in us, we need to spend more than a 30-second devotion, right? Listen to Christian radio is good, get his word in, but find ways to keep your mind on the word. We're going to talk about that next week. That's part two of staying in Jesus. So I uh, ordered 30 of these. They're on the table in the back. They're free. You're welcome. Uh, if I autograph it for you, it'll be worth dollars after I'm dead. Um, but no, I just to help you for a, just a shot of maybe getting in the habit of a daily devotional, a daily reading, uh, take about 10 minutes to do that. So that in, in, in this next song, so this song is Abide, um, Remain, Stick With Me, the same thing. It's a beautiful song. So let this song be your prayer uh, about asking God to help you to abide, to help you live purple. And may we all live purpler and bear the purple name that Jesus has given to us.